Good evening. Thank you so much for coming. I continue this evening. Reading from Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha, 37th Anucheda. It's a very long Anucheda, and we've covered maybe about a third of it. What we're studying now is the fact that there's a lot of similarities and some differences between ourselves and the Supreme Lord. The Anucheda, uh, the Jiva is an integrated part of Paramatma, and Paramatma is a manifestation of uh, Bhagavan, a manifestation of the Supreme Lord that deals with the material energy. And uh, we're part of Paramatma's energies, which are seen as his direct manifestations in regards to the creation, the maintenance, and the destruction of the material world, the actual purpose behind the material manifestation being the facility given to the jiva to uh, fulfill his separate interests for those jivas that don't have a similar interest with the supreme, then there's a sufficient facility made for expressing your separate interests, kind of a material playground, I guess we could say. But there's a lot of bullies in the playground, so (laughs) you do not... You do not escape the adventure unscathed according to the degree of your acceptance as your ultimate reality. So if we accept, if we totally buy into the material nature and think that this is our place for our pleasure and we we act completely independently and we allow the, the nature of this world to completely overcome us, then to the degree that we allow that to happen, to that degree, we're separating ourselves from our true being, from our true spiritual nature. And the further that we allow that separation to go, and the way material nature expresses that, that separativeness, is through the exertion of her power of illusion in different degrees and those different degrees are looked at as the modes of material nature to a greater degree uh, one becomes involved in the mode of ignorance to a lesser degree one becomes involved in the mode of passion and to the least degree one becomes situated in the mode of goodness And from the mode of goodness, there's the possibility of actually coming to to the point of spiritual inquiry. Spiritual inquiry generally begins with, um, well, Atato Brahma Jignasa, that's where it begins. Here I am, you know, what's the nature of my being? So those kind of questions are only available in the human form of life. We don't see the dogs or the cats or the cows or the trees or the bees or any other of the different species. And there's 8,400,000 species of different living entities. So you have a wide variety of bodies that are inhabited by people just like us. 
little spiritual jiva spark particles of the Supreme Lord. And at a certain point in the continual cycle of life, what was that? Uh, how did the Disney movie say that? The circle of life. Um, the lion. Yeah. So the circle of life. It's, it's a fact, it's a circle of life, and at a certain point, you actually come to the human form of life. And it's uh, 8,400,000 species, uh, so there's only 400,000 of those 8,400,000 which are human-like, whether you have enough intelligence to ask the questions, what the hell am I doing here? Where did I come from? What's the true, what's the purpose behind this whole thing that I'm experiencing? Generally, in, in material existence, we're wrapped up in survival. And our survival instincts are, how do I eat? How do I sleep? How do I keep my species going? How do I reproduce? Eating, sleeping, mating, and I have to defend myself. I'm always looking over my shoulder because there's always a bigger fish in the ocean that's that's out there and it will devour me. Now we do this in a more sophisticated way when we come to the human form of life, but you know, don't be fooled. <laughs> Somebody is out to get you, you know. Even we look to modern society, they're out to get you. The bank, yeah, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, either whether it's a banker or whether it's the government or where it's, uh, you know... A, a, your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your neighbor. So we, 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 we're confronted all the time with looking over our shoulder or protecting what we have, and it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's an unfortunate situation. And we're... It's factually foreign to our true spiritual self. But we've been in this material world for so long that we accept it as our, as our existence, as our reality. And if we're fortunate, we'll, we'll get some good fortune. We'll come in contact with some spiritual knowledge that will waken us a little bit. And that awakening can increase and increase to the point of, of what we refer to as liberation. So human form of life, the human form of life, if we look at it from an organized viewpoint, when humanity comes into play and we interact with other people, we're not living in a cave by ourselves. <laughs> so, if we come to that point, then in human society, we see that generally human ambition can be, or ambition, desire, what what what's des, you know wanted out of life can be broadly categorized as artha, dharma, karma, kama, and moksha. We need to have some wealth in order to exist. We can't exist without having some some facility. We have to be able to clothe ourselves and feed ourselves. So 
in a human society, there's an economic community. Uh, and in order to function in that community, we have to, we have to work. So man takes up a position in society according to his proclivities. So Artha Dharma, we, we, we want to advance ourselves and generally that advancement is seen in regards to religious activity. We want to go to heaven. We want to, we want to better ourselves. We don't, we can see that if we have any bit of, slight bit of intelligence, we can see that if I conduct myself in opposition to the generally accepted norms in society, I don't have such a good go of it. In fact, depending on the degree to which I rebel against the norms of, of the society that I exist in, I'm generally punished up to the point of death if, I've, if I'm very much in opposition. So we call that Dharma. And generally Dharma or the, the rules of conduct in a society are laid out in scriptural injunction. We accept some scripture or we accept the, the king as God. I mean, there is some, you know, and he makes the rules. Uh, and actually in, in human society, we look to these as the rules of Manu. There is actually a king. We may not be in direct contact with him, but there's a king for a long duration of uh, human uh, he has, he has a long duration of uh, his kingdom, and he has a lot of, of gods underneath him. So, Artha, Dharma, Kama, we want to have a good time of it. We want to enjoy ourselves. We don't, nobody's looking to suffer. So, that enjoyment is, is, is sense gratification, as provided by the environment, and uh, we seek that. We seek it either on this plane or we see, well, this, this isn't such a good plane for me. Maybe I could elevate myself to a higher plane of, of consciousness or to, based on my knowledge of how the universe works, if I come to knowledge that, well, actually, you can go to another planet. And on some of the other planets, your enjoyment is at a, at a higher, hot, much higher level. Uh, and actually, if we go into the Vedic scriptures, the Vedic scriptures tell us that overall there are 14 divisions of planetary systems. And Earth planet is in the middle. So seven planetary systems more under the mode of ignorance and seven planetary systems above, which are more uh, in the mode of, of goodness. And we're in the middle. We're on the planet Earth. This is a very passionate planet. And it's an interesting thing if you think about it, but what's the ocean of Earth made of? Salt water. Salt water, it's, and where do we see salt water locally in our body? The form of sweat. When you work hard, 
you sweat. So passionate people work very hard and off comes their ocean of, of water. And the planet itself is a passionate planet and it has oceans of water. And the heavenly planets, they have planets of milk and nectar. And in the lower planets, you have planets of uh, oceans of liquor. So you can imagine. Now, some of the lower planetary systems are heavenly also, but they have no concept of the supreme. And, you know, so they're subterranean heavenly planets. But, you know, there's no concept of, there's not much influence of the mode of goodness there. And actually, the enjoyment on some of these subterranean heavenly planets is said to be more extreme enjoyment than on the heavenly planets. What's the Who goes there? People that want to enjoy, but they want to enjoy without any concept of the supreme. So they've acted on the mode of goodness here. No, 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 not goodness. Ignorance, but their desires just, there's just not enough enjoyment here. There's not enough whatever they want here. Not enough intoxication for them, not enough uh, sex life, not enough. So, But they don't want to elevate themselves through any acts of piety. They're enjoy, they just want to enjoy. So they can go there and enjoy, but their enjoyment is short-lived and it, uh, it ultimately ends in misery. But they're so good at enjoying that they say that the enjoyment there is higher than on the heavenly planets to a more extreme level. And finally, we may come to a point in our Artha, Dharma, Kama, and, and finally Moksha. In human society, we can have a concept of ending material existence entirely, not going up or not coming down from one planet to another, not going into one species of life or another species of life, up or down, or sideways on this planet through so many species of life, if we, if we come to a point of understanding what this whole material existence is about, we can actually start to inquire about getting out of here, if there's a possibility of that, if we desire that. We may not desire it. Most living entities, most jivas, are animals, or, or plants, or some other species of life. Human form of life is, if you look at the whole population of the earth, just this one earth, how many humans are there? You know, not that many. We could, we, we could be all wiped out and life would go on. <laughs> We're just one... <laughs> maybe better for the earth, yes, whatever, yeah. Maybe that will have come come to pass. But we come to an opportunity where ha- where we can where we seek out inquiry into the nature of our true being, and in the course of inquiring about the nature of ourselves, we we desire to actually attain spiritual fulfillment. So that's what we're about. We want the spiritual fulfillment. And the topmost spiritual fulfillment is attained by knowledge of 
of the Supreme Lord and his eternal associates and ourselves because we're also his associate. It's just now we're associating with his external material energy and spiritual culture for us means, well, let's turn it around. Let's turn our consciousness around from this external material enjoyment, which isn't as it isn't all that fulfilling to us. In fact, it doesn't matter what we do, it, it, it doesn't end well, no matter how high or low, no matter what species of life, it's all, it's all, all in a circle of life which includes the experience of death. <laughs> so uh, that's foreign to us. We're eternal. We're uh, Satchitananda, eternal, full of knowledge and full of bliss. So, by entering into the Sandarbhas, we can increase our knowledge. By that knowledge, we can extricate ourselves to a pretty firm degree, situate ourselves in spiritual practice, and um, advance from. Uh, the world of ignorance to that of transcendental knowledge. So we're involved in in getting transcendental knowledge and now we're speaking about the fact that we, our true selves, uh, are part of the Supreme Lord. The Jiva is an integrated part of Paramatma. Paramatma is that manifest, that aspect of the Supreme Lord which brings about the material manifestation. When we think of Paramatma, generally speaking, we're thinking of the common concept of, of God that most people have as the creator, as the maintainer, as the sustainer, as the protector of the living entity. So that's the Paramatma aspect. But God has so much more going on than that. But that's what we're involved in now. So let's start where we are, see what we actually are in essence. This is the last of those intrinsic qualities. This is what the our essence is as a part of the Supreme Lord, as a spiritual particle of God, that's what we really are. So by knowing more, better what we are, we can come to know a little bit more about the nature of the Supreme Lord. But to truly know who we are, we have to be willing and able and have a little determination to, to enter into that spiritual culture that allows us the fine discrimination to understand these deep philosophical points. For that, we take shelter of a guru, we take shelter of a sangha of, of like-minded people that are pursuing spiritual life. And uh, in that association and with that good guidance of the guru and of the whole copus of, of, of spiritual teachers that he represents, uh, we can make some substantial progress. 
And then we'll see that the Paramatma aspect of God, well, that's kind of just, that's still the Supreme Lord. He's still manifesting, but there's so much more to him than just that. So the Jiva is an integrated part of Paramatma. And we'll continue reading the direct Anucheta. We're not into commentary. As I said, the Anucheta itself is very long. So Jiva Goswami continues. He says, in this way, although the Jiva is an energy, it is distinct from the other two, intrinsic and extrinsic, due to being intermediate, intermediately situated, tatasta, so in between. So we're not really the Lord's internal energy, but we're not the material energy. The Lord has unlimited energies, broadly divided into his internal spiritual potencies, which comprise himself and his own spiritual abode, which is not made out of the elements of our abode. Uh, his spiritual world is all spirit, it's all conscious, it's all living and loving. Here it's earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego. That's our world. All those are dead ingredients. They may appear alive. It certainly seems like somebody's talking to us when we listen to our mind. Somebody's there. But really, the mind is simply regurgitating the impressions that we've experienced over eons of lifetimes and helping us to accept this and reject that. And if you really look at the mind and how it works with you, oh, I should get up, the alarm clock went off. No, I really need a few more minutes. No, you need to get up. No, I'd like to sleep some more. Well, come on, it's you have something to do. Yes, but I could do it just as well in my dream. So the mind, you're in the middle and your mind is saying this and then it's saying that and you're like caught in the middle. Well, I'm going to do this. No, I'll do that. It has nothing to do with you. You're the observer. Once you come to that consciousness that I'm simply the observer and the mind is telling me to do this and that and another thing, then you can gradually start to take control of your life instead of letting your life control you. So we can either be proactive in life or can, we can be reactive. That's our choice. If we have a little intelligence, we'll see, well, you know, you can't, you can't turn the mind off. Not quite yet. At a certain point in your spiritual practice, we call that samadhi. You'll be so absorbed in Krishna, we have a different kind of samadhi. We're not just into this, you know, samadhi means nothing. Samadhi means something to the devotee. And the something to the devotee is samadhi means fully absorbing myself in Krishna. Every place I look, I want to see him. Everything that I think about, I want it to be about him. Everything that I do, I want to do that in service to him. And gradually that becomes a samadhi to such an extent that you see Krishna everywhere. And 
if you want to, to really have some insight into what that kind of an existence is like, then I'd recommend you go to the Chaitanya Charitamrita's Anchalila uh, about halfway through and read about Lord Chaitanya's ecstasies. There's two or three chapters there explaining his ecstatic emotions. And he actually continually entered into Samadhi where he was chasing Krishna. Or, you know, he would go to the beach and he would he would take a sand dune as Govardhan Hill. He would he would see a uh, a garden on the on the beach beside Jagannath Temple. And he would think that he was in the gardens of Vrindavan. And he would actually enter into Krishna's pastimes in his what we would call sadika deha. As a sadika, as a he's 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 giving us the, an example of what spiritual life is like. So he's showing us this is your ideal. He's God playing as one of us who wants to be a devotee. So he's he's come to be the ideal example of devotional service. And and all of his associates have also come to be an ideal example of what a Sangha of devotees is like, how they interact with each other. So it's a very, very wonderful uh, presentation, this Chaitanya Charitamrita, that you can see how to be a perfect devotee and how devotees interact. So Lord Chaitanya showing us that example is entering into ecstatic emotion, entering into the samadhi of the holy name. And the devotees, he's completely losing external consciousness. And he thinks he's in Vrindavan. He thinks he's chasing Krishna. He thinks he's seeing Krishna. And the devotees will be there. And in doing that, he will express so much ecstatic emotion that from a material point of view, the devotees will think he's died. They think he's gone. His, his limbs have extended, blood's pouring from the pores of his body. It, he's foaming at the mouth. I mean, all these really far out ecstatic emotions were like, whoa, is this what, if this is what ecstasy's about, I don't know if I really want to go there. But believe me, it is a place you would like to go if you could be with Krishna and, and experience him the way Lord Chaitanya was. So the devotees were there, my gosh, Lord Chaitanya is dying. He's di we, have to, we have to revive him. And what would they do? They would, they would begin to chant to him. So they would start chanting Hare Krishna, please, trying to revive him to see if, and he would gradually come back to consciousness and he would be a little perturbed. I had Krishna. And now, where is he? Where is he gone? He wouldn't chastise the devotees, but he would be like, I was in samadhi. I was in spiritual trance. I was with Krishna. And, and, and you chanted, and, and where'd he go? We need to go find him again. This idea that Lord Chaitanya and his devotees' followers that, uh, set for us is... Uh, 
gives us some insight into our samadhi. And it's different than a samadhi of, of so many other spiritual disciplines, other transcendentalists. It's very unique. It's uh, Goloker Golo Premadan, Harinam Sankirtan. So going on with the Anacheda. <laughs> intrinsic or extrinsic? We're not the external energy. We're not in the internal energy. But this process allows us, as we can see through this Sankirtan of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it allows us to enter into the internal energy, which is the Lord's transcendental abode and his eternal associates. Or we can stay here. The choice is ours. That's why we're called Tatasta. We're in the middle area. It is intermediate because it cannot be subsumed, subsumed under, under either of the two other categories. The reason for this is that it is superior to the Maya energy, but at the same time, it is subject to the defect of being overpowered by ignorance, which does not influence Paramatma. Although the jiva is the energy of Paramatma, the latter is not tainted by maya or ignorance like the jiva, just as the sun's rays in a particular area may be covered by an object that shades them from view. But the sun itself remains uncovered. The intermediary status tatasta of the jiva is stated in the Sri Narada Pancharatra. And then a verse is given. So what this is telling us is we're never going to become matter and we're never going to become fully immersed or lose our individuality as a jiva in the spiritual energy. So either in the material energy or the spiritual energy, we're never going to lose ourselves, our identity as an individual individual person. We may think we do. We may seek a spiritual liberation that gives us the sense of merging into the Supreme. We call that Brahman realization. There is a class of transcendentalists that seek that. And we're never going to be fully overpowered and, and merge into the material elements because we're conscious and the material energy is unconscious. It's matter. So we can become eternally influenced by spiritual energy. Right, but the word is not influenced. The word is assumed, com completely merged, become the same become of that of that permanently we always maintain our individuality right even though we're subsumed by the internal energy well the, they use the word in a different context we need to look it up but it's assumed i looked it up and it means that one becomes the other the other thing you completely lose lose any individuality. You would become entirely of the Lord's internal energy. 
you don't. You become oh, you become influenced by this Rup Shakti, but you're always Tatasta Shakti. Or you become influenced by the material energy. You don't become the Swarup Shakti, nor do you become the Baharanga Shakti, the external Shakti. That's what's being said here. So the, the verse from the Narada Pancharatra, the entity which is intermediary, intermediarily situated, conscious by nature, whose self-awareness has been lost, and who is tainted by attachment to the material gunas, is called the jiva. As such, jiva goes on, in the Vishnu Purana also the jiva has been mentioned as situated in the middle between the material and spiritual energies of Bhagavan. The jiva, the jiva's being other than or distinct from Paramatma is also stated in the Shrutis. So the Lord of Maya created this universe and the other, the jiva, became bound in in it by Maya. And the other of these two, the jivas, eats the divergent fruits of karma. That's from the, uh, I think it's the, it's one of the Upanishads. Mundaka, I believe. It's M-U-U is the abbreviation. So it could be the Mundaka Upanishad. It's an interesting statement because you think at it, there's something similar in uh, the in the Bible, right? The other, the other of these two, the jivas, eats the divergent fruits of karma, or enters into the Garden of Eden, is is a common uh, saying, and eats the fruits, and then all of a sudden, the whole involvement begins. So it's an interesting concept if you think about it. The fact that we we take the fruits of the material energy and all of a sudden, well, it's like, uh, who was it? Snow White ate the apple and all of a sudden she's in a trance, a death-like trance. Really, there's some truth to that as far as what happens with us. We eat the fruits of material nature and, and enjoy them in that way and immediately we're brought into the trance. So then he goes on, and next he quotes from the Vishnu Purana. Even if the ignorance that produces the perception of difference were completely destroyed, even if our ignorance, whereby we look at ourselves separately from the Supreme Lord or from material nature, in this instance, they're talking about the ignorance that allows us to associate with material nature. So this verse from the Vishnu Purana stating, even if the ignorance that produces the perception of difference were completely destroyed, who could render non-existence, asanta, the difference between the individual self and Brahman? I'll let Jiva explain this in his words, because he does. In the Anucheta, he says this in regards to that verse. Ignorance is the cause of the perception of difference, beta. So we're familiar with this word beta, achinta, beta, beta, tattva. Inconceivably, simultaneously, one in deference. Different. This is one of the core tattvas or teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu 
that distinguished his sampradaya even to go that far, that this concept was one of the core concepts that Sri Chaitanya introduced into spiritual understanding as it evolves in human society, um, whereby this distinctiveness and a likeness between ourselves and God is accentuated in the philosophical presentation or the philosophical understation, understanding of the distinction between God and ourselves and the non-distinction between God and ourselves. So, ignorance is the cause of the perception of difference, beta, which here refers to cognitive awareness of distinctions, visesha, based on the unique characteristics by which individuals are defined such as those that determine the nature of a god, a human being, or a lower creature. Even if this ignorance were destroyed, who would be able to render non-existent, asanta, the innate, swabhavika, difference between the jiva, atma, and the paramatma, here indicated by the word brahman. In other words, everyone would affirm that their difference does indeed exist. So he's saying this verse from the Upanishads is saying, even if you eliminate your attachment to the Lord's external energy, you cannot eliminate the fact that there'll always be difference between you and the Supreme Lord. You can't do away with that. Even if you do turn your consciousness towards the Supreme and embrace your spirituality completely. This is an important point. This is the point, the final point in these 21 characteristics is this understanding that the distinctiveness between ourselves and the Lord will always be there. Now we're going to go on and we're going to talk about being the same as God. So there's a lot alike and there's a lot that's different. And that's really the central point in this section of the Paramatma Sandarbha. Because the principle to be predicated in the subsequent part of the sentence is is the negation of the non-existence, na-asanta, of distinction between the jiva and paramatma, any contrary interpretation would certainly be a stretch of the imagination. It's basically taking a jab at the Advaitins, an indirect jab here, you know. If you think it's other than this, if you think that you are going to merge into God, if you eliminate your involvement in the Lord's material energy or the the material energy, because the concept of merging for the Advaitins is they're merging into the allness that includes themselves. They want to merge into non-distinctiveness between themselves and God. It's a nice concept, 
But in order to embrace that concept, then you'd have to embrace the philosophical understanding that God has no distinctive qualities or energies. Because you're seeing distinctiveness only in relationship to involvement in the material world. But you're not seeing that the Lord can have distinctiveness in his spiritual being. Thus, because the jiva is the inherent swabhavika, energy of paramatma, just like all these inherent qualities of the jiva that we've been gone, paramatma also has inherent qualities, and we're one of those. We're one of his qualities. So all of our qualities are distinct to us. He also has his own distinctive qualities, one of which is his manifestation of energy Tatasta Shakti, and that's what we are. Because the jiva is inherent, Swabhavika, energy of Paramatma, it is never divorced from its constitutional nature of being an integral, integrated part of him. Even in the liberated state, even in the liberated state, important point here, we're always part of the Supreme Lord, part of his energy, even in the liberated state. Therefore, in final liberation, which is characterized by establishment in the self's intrinsic identity, Swarup, after being free from ignorance, the merging of the self and the absolute actually refers to entrance into the state of identity with the nature and qualities of Bhagavan. As is seen from the Shruti statements, such as the illuminated seer, free from the conditional state, attains the supreme sameness, paramam samyam, that's also from the Upanishads, and from the words of the Gita, those who, by resorting to knowledge, this knowledge, have attained sameness with my nature and qualities, are not born again at the time of creation, nor are they distressed at the time of dissolution. So a little bit of discussion of that before we end this evening. That sameness, that liberation that's being spoken of here, is experienced differently by different spiritual practitioners. So we would want to say, well, what's, what's it mean? You attain the nature of God. What, what is that like? Well, that attainment is based on what your spiritual aspiration is. The Lord is very kind. He says in the Bhagavad Gita, Ye yatam am prapajyante tams. Uh, all of them, as they surrender unto me, I reward accordingly. So as we conceive of ourselves in spiritual life, if we want to enter into the energy of God, or if we want to serve him, or if we want to play with him in his leela, whatever our spiritual aspiration may be, and there's a complete, a complete uh, availability of, of all kinds of relationships to the Supreme, with the Supreme, according to that, we'll attain that nature. We'll attain his nature. Now, for the devotee, what does that mean? Well, we have a little bit of a clue 
of what it means because a devotee doesn't want to lose his individuality and he wants to continually be in a in a position of subservience and service to the supreme so i'm not going to i don't want to become god the devotee says i don't want to to be of of what you're speaking well you do because if we look to the pastime of Jaya and Vijaya, the two gatekeepers, what does that mean to be, for, for a devotee, what's it mean to take to the nature, as it says here, uh, the sameness of my nature? Jaya and Vijaya experienced that sameness when, as gatekeepers, they had they were serving the lord for his satisfaction and in that service they had no separate separate interest than his interest so when they expressed his interest in fulfilling their service as to the the best of their ability their sense was here's these young boys but we sense no devotion here they've come to the gate of devotion so to the, at this gate they really need to show how much love praying they have for god and we're not sensing that we're not we're kind of in tune with you know uh, what do they say? Uh, we know people of our so, same nature. So, therefore, they, they were a little hesitant. Well, we must, we're going to have to inquire. And then there was a little argument there. And what happened? Krishna came. And what did Krishna say? I've offended you. Krishna wasn't there at the gate. But his sense of sameness with his devotees and the devotee's sense of sameness with him was there was no distinction for Krishna. These are my fellows and I've offended you because really they're doing my bidding. So whatever they say, I support fully, totally to the point of I take full responsibility here and I've offended you. How can I rectify the situation? So we can see the sense of sameness from the bhakti attitude in that Leela. I'll stop there for this evening. Are there any questions? Yes. The individuality that you speak of, um, is that... Um, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this because you had mentioned that all the jivas are identical. And when you mention, when you speak about individuality, I, I find it hard to think, what, what, what is that? What, what, what does it look like? What, what is, I mean, there's no personality. What, what makes us individual? What makes us unique or whatever? You have individual consciousness. In that consciousness, we've been learning about intrinsic qualities. Some of those are intrinsic, intrinsic qualities as you have will, you uh, you can you can act. You have an you're an agent of action. Right. That's what makes the difference. You've acquired this particular 
form and station in life this time around based on your own individuality has brought you here and your own individuality will determine your future. So you're here now and you you have a little bit of agency. You don't have complete agency. You can't stop the storm. You can't make the sun go down. It's your whim. But you have your own independent agency and within that you're determining how you act in in the material world or within the spiritual world if you if you can acquire some some footing there through good association but you're the one that's making the determination of what your what those actions are and how to conduct them yourself so we're you're alike in that everyone in this room has that same agency we all have our own independent ability to choose how we interact with the world and interact with the, the dispensation of, of spirituality that may become available to us. We determine. Some people just, they turn their head and walk the other way. It's really up to us. We can determine whether we go to the brothel or we come to Bhagavatam class. That's our choice. So we have some little bit of choice, but based on that choice, we develop impressions in life. So we're going to be impressed by what's around us. So if we go into the uh, a mode of goodness situation and we, we may remain in there, in that kind of an association, then that will have an impression upon us and that impression will become so profound that it'll lead to a next, a next birth where you'll be born into that mode of goodness atmosphere or if you're if you're attracted to the mode of ignorance and activities there and Krishna's outlined these activities in Bhagavad Gita how they eat how they sleep how they work he's given us some indication but then he says you can become of my nature by engaging in spiritual activities and associating with my men then those make spiritual impressions and then those spiritual impressions will continue to will be will capital will capitalize upon those and they're they're special there's a distinction between those impressions than the material impressions the material impressions come and go and we go up and down from one species to the other from one planet to the other we go up and down based on how those impressions play out through the modes of material nature but krishna says but my impressions you takes those spiritual impressions from me and they're never lost. There's no loss or diminution. He also says, even if you can't really impress yourself with the spirituality, well, as much as you can, I carry what you have and I provide what you lack. I'm so supportive of you in this spiritual endeavor that I'll even give you some extra help there. You do what you can and I'll, I'll sustain what, you've, what spiritual progress you've made and where you're lacking in spiritual progress, well, I'll carry that until you have an opportunity to to get become firmly situated in that in the spiritual practice. That allows us to have some association in the sangha of devotees, because otherwise our material impressions would be so adverse to them that at least he makes us look good in their eyes. So we'll stop there for this evening. Thank you so much. Thank you.